0: Hello, everyone, welcome back to the Watchful Nights Weekend Review. My name is Ishiv, or at the Watchful Night on Instagram, or just Watchful Night on Letterboxd. I'm going to go through the movies that I watched these past two weeks because I was not able to record the past week because I was in New York. I will tell you a little bit something about that, what I did there. I'm going to add a little more color to the reviews that I did, followed by a movie to keep on your radar, and I don't think we'll have time for the five movies to watch when. Uh, again let me know what i'm doing well not doing well so i can improve the next episodes i have been still watching silicon valley and and it's good it's it's actually i started season 2 and it's i am definitely getting more on board it's more funny uh i think it was always this level of funny but i just think now that i'm paying more attention to it i'm liking it more which is great so it's really nice to watch that I also I think of it as a an r-rated version of the big bang theory but with like higher production quality too <laughs> uh, but yeah so I'm, I'm really liking Silicon Valley I think it's great and then uh, I watched the documentary series on Yash and Aditya Chopra called The Romantics and it's on Netflix and it's very informative um, I really liked the the content that they put in there. You get this really unfiltered interview with Aditya Chopra, who's known uh, not not for doing a lot of these interviews. and and it does paint this picture that they are kind of the kings of the producing and directing game, um, especially when it comes to, you know, one of Indian cinema's prime exports, which is romantic films. Um, So it was really interesting and it's really great how many actors that they got. And the best part about the whole documentary was seeing old pictures when all of these actors were kids and they were just like at each other's birthday parties. I thought that was really cool. And then the approach to, to making a movie is very different than it is currently. In in Hollywood, when you watch interviews, it's just it's a very different. You know, in India, it's very much about what the audience wants. You're at the will of the audience. Whereas in the West, it's all about what the filmmaker wants to do and the audience. Yes, it's an important part. It's still a business, but there is more of a recognition of the people, what of the process into making the movie, which which is you can say it's good or bad for either reason, because they just take films in India, India, well, according to the Chopras and the people in that documentary at face value. And uh, yeah, there's merits to both audiences, I think, but uh, I think it's really interesting to see the difference in how to approach even starting to think about making a film, which has been really interesting. So let's talk about the movies that i watched in these past two weeks not a lot of them um because my weekend was not spent watching films for the first time in a long time i think maybe that's not entirely true um but yeah so two weeks ago this would be now um yeah i on sunday i watched rosemary's baby after watching Chinatown, I was like, this guy knows what he's doing, let me see if he knows what he's doing better in Rosemary's Baby, and he, he did. So, Rosemary's Baby, it was released in 1968, the same year as 2001, A Space Odyssey, which is kind of interesting. It's directed by Rowan Polanski, stars Mia Farrow, John Cassavetes, Ruth Gordon, and I um, can't remember the fourth, but the, the the main other actor, he's a famous person. And this received an 8.1 out of 10, so much higher than Chinatown and it really does deserve it. Um, The short premise is that this young couple who is consistently trying to have a baby move into a new apartment building uh, which is like weird and gothic and are surrounded by very intrusive and strange neighbors and I think that's That is the perfect way to set the groundwork for this film uh, for you to be both intrigued by it and for you to be surprised so what i liked about this movie is that yeah polanski really knows how to build tension he really builds layer upon layer of creepiness It almost becomes like a jenga thing where and then certain things like like certain blocks get start starting certain blocks start to get pushed sorry about that certain blocks start to get pushed out one by one and rosemary is that that huge tower and then she just collapses or the everything just caves in on her by the end and it's pretty brilliant and then they start rebuilding the blocks again very rapidly in the last scene uh so it's very textured and rich and it's a movie that you could spend hours in just because of that um a special highlight is the production design it's it's really great and knows when to be a really, an enclosed space versus very an open space. Make both of them both scary and promising, and putting them together, it's 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 just great. Like he, they clearly knew what they were doing, um, and they did it to this kind of heightened extent, which is great. Almost on the Kubrick *Shining* level, where it's just that intricate, and then the story does develop quite well quite well. Wow, I'm having a lot of trouble speaking today. The story develops quite well. I think they keep certain things hidden, rightfully so, and for the right amount of time, because I'll get to it in what I didn't like about this movie, but this movie could easily be very predictable and not as scary if they revealed things too quickly, or if they didn't keep certain things hidden, and when you when they're revealed, or they kept it hidden, you realize they're not, like, huge revelations, but it did add to the element of mystery, which is great. And then, uh, you know, shout-out to Mia Farrow, who was perfect as Rosemary. There, She was so great in this late performance that you you really latched on to her, you really wanted the best for her, and you really felt bad. Um, and also, this film has also one of the best dream sequences. Dream is... You know used loosely um, but it, it's extremely harrowing and disturbing, but at the right level of disturbing and um, creepy. So a lot to like. So what I didn't like is that what I was touching on before is that when it comes down to it, the story is pretty standard. right when the when the moment the movie ends, the thats final scene is perfect. I love the way they end it. But the moments the credits roll, really you're like, they could have done so much more with how many turns the story takes because it, it kind of feels tropey because you have this woman who no one believes, and then you have the friend who comes in who is somewhat of a authority, and then the friend disappears, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think it could have had a little more uh, narrative flair, per se, to it. And then the middle chunk is, it's not slow because it's consistently building the tensions. You're always on edge. But very little new information is revealed. And that's not a problem per, like, in the grand scheme of things. Um, but it makes it, like I would only watch this movie again, really. I mean, actually, that's this is not entirely true. I would completely watch this movie again but I would be more keen to watch this movie again if I was showing it to someone instead of me sitting down to rewatch it. So would I recommend it? Yes, it's a horror classic, and I think talking about it has made me appreciate it even more right now, Um, but it's a horror classic that rightfully deserves all of its praise. Completely get it. It vibed with me this time as well. It's not a Chinatown situation. Go and watch it. Okay, then I watched a movie that became one of my new favorites of all time. In fact, I think it is the 16th favorite film of all time now, which is pretty high, um, and it's it's pretty insane. It's um, All That Jazz, Bob Fosse's All That Jazz. And, uh, sorry, I'm just checking. Oh, 15th favorite film of all time. Um, and this movie is amazing, it's so great, it's so bombastic, it's so crazy, and it's like, it's it blew my mind. So, uh, All That Jazz was released in 1979, it stars Bob Fosse, uh, sorry, it's directed by Bob Fosse, in a way it's starring Bob Fosse, uh, it's starring Roy Scheider, Jessica Lange, and Anne King. Anna Reinking, I think it is, or Anne Reinking, one of those two. Uh, Jessica just she doesn't have a big role in it, but she was billed second. So and she was I guess she was the more famous one. Um, And this received a nine point three out of ten. So in this autobiographical musical tale about Bob Fosse, Joe Gideon uh, struggles to find the right choreography for his new show and basically like the right approach to his new show, while reflecting on his personal life and creeping up health issues, but in this classic Bob Fosse fashion. So what I liked about this movie, this movie is so great, it's, it's, it blew my mind when I watched it. It's kind of hard to think about that this even exists, because the person behind the camera is the one who it's about, and it's simultaneously very self-deprecating but also very self-serving, and then at the same time, it's very, very sad, but because he has a certain style on Broadway, it's very happy, and it's kind of like this dichotomy between these two things constantly, and it's amazing, and it's so, so good. It also has, like, the perfect level of meta uh, going on for it. It's a, it's really, really uh, an interesting thing to watch. Of course, the dance numbers were great. Little did I know... <laughs> that Bob Fosse actually made Chicago and I was watching the dance sequences I'm like this this reminds me of Chicago this this is why it's good and then I realized that he's the one who choreographed and directed uh, the initial Chicago and wrote I think the book too so he's a talented guy so the dance numbers were great there and the story develops really really well it lays the groundwork in the first half extremely well only to go fully bonkers in the second half um it's an extremely visceral and gritty aesthetic um kind of it kind of feels messy but i kind of th- think that's on purpose like it sort of sort of have to feel unhinged in a way which is great it consistently keeps moving and it has one of the best endings and one of the most redemptive yet sad and depressing um endings of all time because you're clapping along to something really bad happening and that's that's true cinema when you have that going on um Yeah, I would completely recommend this movie. It's a musical, like, unlike any other you have seen. Um, And if you're willing to get on board with it, I can get why this wouldn't fully agree with people. Okay, so I would say, especially if you don't like musicals, no, actually, that's not necessarily true. I think you just have to get on board with what the film is doing early on, within, like, the first 20 minutes to, like, you have to compartmentalize what it's doing and then you'll really really enjoy the rest of the film but you will for sure be amazed if you can get on board watch it watch it it's kinda hard to find but all that jazz is great okay then the next movie I watched was on February 14th which is Valentine's Day so I watched a romantic film I watched in the mood for love um, Widely regarded as one of the best films of all time, and uh, I'm watching it now. I haven't seen it before. It was released in 2000. It's directed by legendary director Wong Kar Wai. Stars Tony Leung, Leung, I think, Leung, Leung, Tony Leung, Tony Leung, and Maggie Cheung, Cheung, probably Cheung. And this received an 8.0 out of 10. Um, two neighbors form a strong bond after both suspect extramarital affairs from their spouses. Uh, and they they build this bond, but they try to keep it platonic. Um, so as not to commit you know the similar wrongs that their respective partners have. And this is not a spoiler. This is set up within the first ten minutes of the film. So there's like nothing. Don't worry that I gave you the story away. So what I liked about this movie, most importantly, it has an extremely beautiful framing. The frames are constructed so well, frames within frames, the mise-en-scene, is, sorry, the composition is so well done. Um, the blocking is an ex- it's it's really, really smart, that's very nice to look at, and I Basically, always captures the na- the nature of the relationship, and that's what you want. So, it's types of shots you could analyze and stay in for hours because of how well constructed they are. It also has this, this the movie in general has this very understated quality to it. Even if the mood or the tone, or like the filmmaking can feel stylish because it has like these slow mo moments. Mm, the costumes are very lavish. Uh, just, but I think that's just an element of their social status. But um, so I think the understated quality really works for the film. And what I really appreciate about it is that it doesn't want to make a definitive end for this couple. Uh, it's it's about making a greater statement about how love permeates even the impermanent uh, situations. And that's something you really don't see, and that's actually a very Eastern... um, You know, after watching the Romantics and stuff, that's a very Eastern way of looking at love. Whereas in the West, it's like love is a fleeting feeling, usually, um, that you can work your way out of it. Um, And then in the East, it's all about like, no, this is like something that's everlasting beyond um, just having romantic relations and that's what's what's great about this movie it is about companionship and about how the best solution always is finding someone else so it's a it's a great movie to watch actually on valentine's day um a lot of people say that this movie is sad and it is but it's not you know it's not destructive like it's this it's it's just bittersweet sad in a way. It's like the end of La La Land, in a, but not that, um, but that same tone. It's very bittersweet. So what I did not like about this movie is that the first half is a bit choppy. It just jumps from scene to scene. I think that lasts for about 20 minutes, and this is an only it's a 90-minute film. Um, so that was kind of something that I... it, it kind of lost me within the first 20 minutes. I'm glad I stuck through with it though. Um, I didn't really see the need for that to happen because it's not like they're setting up this grand story. It's, uh, yeah, so I think that's where the style gets a little overboard. Um, and the other thing is that the premise that I just told you guys, it, it, it is the whole movie. There's nothing else to this film beyond those two sentences. There's one development that happens at the end. Um, that you can, you you know that's coming um, the moment they have a certain conversation. Um, And so, yeah, it's definitely not the point of this movie to make it, you know, a page and make it, you know, this twisty turny type thing, but, you know, at least a few more developments would have been nice, Um, and that's kind of what makes you lose your attention, is that very little is going on in the story, and there's a lot of scenes where it's just, like, them walking towards each other, and they're... They're amazingly shot and the music is so well done that you're still intrigued by it, but not as much as if there was actual story or character motivations behind um, what they were doing. So I of course would recommend it. It's an iconic movie. It's influenced countless romantic dramas. You'll see once you watch this film how much modern romantic, you know, really like dense romantic dramas take from this film. And it has an amazing aesthetic, so I would watch it. Okay, so then I went to New York uh, to have, um, to have, to spend some time with my sisters and one of our close family friends. And we went to go watch Lion King on Broadway. We had s- seen it uh, when I was very young. I think I was around five or six um, in on West End in London. Um, but obviously, I don't remember much of it. And we were extremely excited to go watch it because, you know, it's Lion King on Broadway. You hear about it all the time. And we 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 really liked it. I don't think we were disappointed by it by any means. But the three, me and my sisters, because we love the movie so much and because we know the movie so well, we were still kind of underwhelmed. And what I think that experience really pointed out to me is just how... Because the thing about broadway and stage productions in general unless it's like a very you know actually never mind the thing about stage productions in general is because it's everything the silences have to be filled in uh, with something and i think that's why the a movie is better because you can just make the silence play out and do something cool and it'll be even more impactful so my the prime example of that is right after the elephant graveyard scene um when mufasa is scolding simba there's a song that plays in the broadway musical uh in the broadway show and in the in the movie He does his little speech, and he says, like, look up at the stars, and there's, like, this one wide shot that pulls out. And we stick on it for, like, I think maybe 15, 30 seconds more. Um, And that speaks so much more to what what Mufasa is saying, what the movie's about. More than this other really silly song um, that I don't think added anything to the movie. Uh, sorry to the show, um, just because we knew the movie so well. Um, yeah, I don't know. we had we were we were definitely impressed by it. Obviously the stampede scene in the Broadway show is one of the most ingenious things ever put to stage. Um, I think in general people will agree on that. Um, but yeah, there was just a lot of it that we were not too keen about because we liked the movie so much. So, in New York, I watched one film. Uh, we re rewatched Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Um, I don't even know if I should bother going through the general info about this, but yeah, it was released in 2006. Uh, it's directed by Gore Verbinski, stars Johnny Depp, Orlando Bloom, and Kira Knightley. Uh, so, this time it received an 8.1 out of 10. I'll talk about that. Um, so the plot is just like a really stupid plot summary I found somewhere. Um, but Jack Sparrow races to recover the heart of Davy Jones to avoid enslaving his soul to Jones's service. And as other friends and foes seek the heart for their own agendas as well. So yeah, I mean, everyone's seen this movie. I love it. I, I, can, can, I can watch this movie anytime. It's one of those movies that I always come back to and I always enjoy. Uh, My initial rating was really high. It was an 8.7, and that's just not right. Um, There used to be a time where my favorite one was the third one, then I went to the first one, then I went to the second one, then I went to the first one again. I think I've kind of decided that the first one is the... It's not only the best one, but it's the one that I like the best as well. Um, I just think it's a lot cleaner and a lot more cohesive. It doesn't have the antics of the second two, Um, even though I think people give the second two way too much crap. I think, like, people hate on the Dead Man's Chest and at World's End too much. It's, no, it, Pies of the Caribbean was not a one-trick pony. These movies are not just as good, but they are good. They're, they are doing everything well um so yeah of course i would recommend it it's an amazing fun movie it's it's still very good um so watch it if you haven't um okay so then i watched nashville which has been on my watch list for a very long time but i had to actually surprisingly watch it for class which was nice so checked that off the list and did homework (laughs) Uh, Nashville was released in 1975 directed by Robert Altman. I have seen MASH before, so it's the old. This is my second Robert Altman movie. It stars Keith Carradine, Karen Black, Lily Tomlin, Jeff Goldblum, um Ronnie Blakely. It has 24 actors, characters in it, so there's a lot of names. Uh, and this received a seven point four out of ten. Yeah, I was I was initially really excited to watch this movie. I also thought this movie would become one of my favorites. I think, um, but it just didn't do that, um, which is kind of disappointing. But I still liked it a lot because so, yeah, seven point four four out of ten is a pretty good rating, and I would recommend it, yeah, especially if you like country music and hangout movies. Um, Because the plot of this movie is that over the course of a few days in Nashville, numerous interrelated characters go after, or they go after, their motivations, like the things that they want to get done in their life. Um, So yeah, if you like hangout movies, it's great, like movies like Days and Confused, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, but set in this like Southern culture with this country music. It's a musical, somewhat. So. That would make it really fun for people. And um, the reason why I think there's a lot of value in this movie is that it is the most comprehensive picture of the United States and the people in it. The lyrics of the songs, the the events that happen, the way that the ways that certain characters think and view politics and social issues, and even just their role as being a United States citizen. Uh, this is like going reading into it but that is what i think this movie is so uh so great about is is capitalizing on that okay then i watched malcolm x spike lee's malcolm x released in 1992 and it was good um not great but it was good it's directed by Spike Lee. It stars Denzel Washington, Angela Bassett, and Del Roy Lindo. Um, it received a 6.9 out of 10. It's really just a... because Okay, so Spike Lee clearly knows how to make a movie. This movie was definitely entertaining. It was very impactful. Very relevant. All that jazz. Um, <laughs> it was clearly not all that jazz. And uh, but it just it just felt too safe. It it felt too much like movies we've seen before. It's very much just a biopic. There's nothing else to that this movie. Um, it goes about it in a very boring way. Um, but it's still good. Um, so I would still recommend it. And moves very well for its runtime. Again, it's it's Spike Lee. So he knows how to make a movie. He knows how to make everything very um, subtextual and rich. Um, as well as having a very forward social statement. Um, so that's great. And then Denzel is. Well, Denzel is always good, but he's extra good in this movie. So that's why I would recommend it. Okay, then I watched Titan. Um, I'm going to talk about this one in detail. This was released in 2021, it's directed by Julia DuCornel. If you remember, I talked about *Raw* on this podcast, and I liked it. And this one, I did not was not too hot about. Um, so she directed both of them. It stars Vincent Landon, Agatha Roussel, and Garance Morillier. Uh, Garance was the lead actress of *Raw*. Uh, this received a 5.3 out of 10. And the plot summary is gonna be really weird. Um, following a sp- series of unexplained crimes father is reunited with the son who has been missing for 10 years um, so yeah that's it's that is sort of what the movie is about in fact it's like pretty close but I like how this synopsis is keeping enough concealed in case you do want to watch it um, so what I liked about this movie is that the core of this movie is is about unconditional love and in, the, in, in an extremely twisted way um, but the fact that this this type of movie gets that across at the end of the day I think that's a good thing because um, you don't get lost in how weird and disturbing it is and of course it's made extremely well it's very art house um, and it, you know you kind of appreciate these movies because they have such wild ideas, and to have the audacity to put that on paper and then make a movie out of it, it's, it's just really impressive, um, and you you have that authority to do so because you know how to make a movie so well, so thats it definitely gets my appreciation to a certain degree, but what I did not like about this movie is that the shock and awe in this one versus the one in Raw really didn't work for me and it seemed too inauthentic and disingenuine whereas in raw it seemed like it was coming from a place of purpose and this one especially like the first half an hour um, when we are looking at these series of unexplained crimes it's just I felt it was too gimmicky um, and then maybe I'm too dumb but none of the body horror stuff seemed necessary to bring the point across. It's not to say that it didn't bring the point across. It definitely did, which is a good thing. But there's no reason <laughs> that it needed to be this... I mean, granted, it should be weird. It's a Julia Ducournau movie. Like, okay, I'm expecting that. But it's not even, like, a disturbing type of weird. It's just really downright strange. Um, so I don't think that was completely necessary and it's it's this movie has really weird pacing that throws you off because it starts like a horror film like a Cronenberg film and then it moves into this like weird psychodrama um, so the pacing is extremely like it's polar opposite from the first half well the first 40 minutes set to the, to the um, last hour so yeah I didn't really vibe with this movie at all. Uh, not at all, but I didn't really vibe with this movie that much. So, I wouldn't recommend it. I would recommend watching Raw instead if you want to watch a movie by her. She is a very interesting director um, and she has interesting things to say but I think she says them better in Raw. Alright, so, moving on to the movie to keep on your radar and yep, we do not have time. For the five movies to watch one so the movie to keep on your radar is a movie called beasts of no nation i feel like this movie got a lot of recognition when it came out but people have kind of forgotten about it so this was directed by carrie joji fukunaga um the guy who did the no time to die the most recent bond film stars idris elba and abraham atta It's a drama based on the experiences of Agu, a child soldier fighting in the civil war of an unnamed African country. Uh, This movie's hard to watch, and I'm not gonna, like, it's really difficult to watch because you're watching child soldiers, you're watching stuff that actually happens. Um, But it's really, really great. I think the story is told very tastefully, very much in a humanistic sense. Idris Elba is amazing, he like really chills you to your bones, but more importantly I think it has some of the best child actors I have seen, actually probably second to City of God, this is the movie that I would say um, has the best child acting ever. Um, and it's 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 actually beautifully shot, I think it has this beauty of the grotesque, beauty and the grotesque thing going for it, so I definitely watch it. Uh, it's on Netflix, it's a Netflix original very accessible um, but yeah it's a difficult watch but I still think it should get more attention than we have given it in the past few years. I Hope you enjoyed this episode and I will not circle back next week because I'm going to Disney World so the next time you will hear from me is March 21st I think which is a long time but I won't be watching that many films because I will be in Florida for 10 days or so. So I will speak to you guys in a while. See you later.